0: You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's a Friday show. The Minnesota State Fair is underway, and the Vikings have preseason game number three coming up on sunday it's all happening right now in minnesota august 25th sage rosenfels with us to discuss all the festivities going on right. sage have you ever been to the minnesota state fair
1: i have i went uh she was last year or two years ago i've been there at least once uh I had a few fried things no fried snickers or anything like that but uh, I, I believe i had some good fried cheese curds at the state fair
0: Delicious. Are you more of like a sights and sounds, just kind of walking around, taking it in, or do you like to do the, the rides or the games? Or are you a foodie? Like, what is your element in the state? I'm pair?
1: probably walking around and people watching, uh, looking at, uh, uh, looking for good, some good food. I'll probably eat, and then as I walk another hundred yards, look for something else to eat, and then walk another few hundred yards to look for something else to eat. I did find last time I was there there was an art. Uh, exhibits way in the back. I know there's some sort of hall in the back that has all this uh, artwork from, my, I'm sure, all Minnesota uh, painters and artists and photographers. That was probably, the, I thought, the my favorite part of the, uh, of the uh, State Fair last time I was there.
0: Yeah, I'll have to get out there at some point. Probably not today. We got rain in the forecast most of the day, and I think most of the day tomorrow as well. So it might not be ideal for all those people trying to get in on the first weekend. So I've got, I've got a talker for you. Before we dive into Niners-Vikings and preseason game number three, I need you to settle a discussion I was having with a buddy at the racetrack last night. That's where all great discussions occur. We were talking about which sport does coaching have the greatest impact of the four major sports, hockey, basketball, baseball, football. And I kind of came up with a, a ranking in my head, but I want to hear it from you first. Where do you think coaching is most vital?
1: I think it's a no-brainer. I think football is, without a doubt, hands down the most important. Uh, coaching is the most important in that sport. You know, if if whoever coaches the Cleveland Cavaliers or whoever coaches um, uh, the Golden State Warriors, they're going to be really good. Now, Steve Kerr's a really good coach. Um, I think Tyron is probably a good coach with Cleveland. But at the end of the day, it's about the talent and 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 those players. Uh, and, and those athletes, um, you know, baseball, again, I don't know how many decisions uh, a manager makes during the game, but, and I think there's, there's value there, but at the end of the day, it's having really good starting pitching and, and good hitting, uh, which doesn't have a lot to do with coaching more has to do with scouting and all those types of things. Um, I'm sure. There's some in hockey too, but I, I Football is, one, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a sport of organization um, in the sense of you have, there's a lot of people going on. So There's a lot of organizing that has to happen, a lot of structure that has to happen. And then on top of it, uh, schematically, it's a very complex sport from an X's an and O's uh, standpoint. And then the, the indiv- individual positions are all very unique and different. You know, I played the NFL for a long time. I couldn't tell you... Uh, all the intricacies of how a DB or a, a D lineman or a linebacker is supposed to, you know, stand and what what the, what the eyes are exactly looking at and how they fit in the run game and all those fine details. But at the same time, you know, Ray Lewis knows really very little about how to train a quarterback. What a quarterback is supposed to do and how to throw a football, how to read defenses. Um, it's very unique in that way. Where you said you know a good baseball coach can pretty much coach all the positions. A good basketball coach. Uh, can very easily coach one through uh, you know one through twelve on the roster, but in football uh, it's nearly impossible to have a coach that knows a vast amount about all the positions
0: I think you're one hundred percent right it's definitely football, especially when you look at the length of the season and how a coach can influence that season if you have a good coach, they're probably winning an additional two, three, four games for you that year just based on the way they're game planning and out-scheming other teams. And that is so much greater of an impact than you would have in any of the other sports where your seasons are either 82 or 162 games. Now, in terms of in-game decisions... I feel like basketball is up there because there, you've got substitutions all the time. You've got rotations. You've got defenses. You've got offensive plays you have to call. And, and obviously, football has that as well. I mean, you've got decision after decision. And probably still go football, but I think basketball is number two on my list. They're constantly coaching, constantly calling plays. Whereas, you know, baseball and hockey, you're kind of just setting your lineup. You're setting your lines and you're just letting them go out there, and sometimes you make a substitution or a, or a pitching change. But in terms of in-game stuff, it's got to be football and then basketball, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, yeah, football. You're you're making a obviously a call offense or defense in every single play. There's also the complexity of uh, you know the sh- of you know the shot clock in basketball, uh, but in football, it uh, you know it, it starts over at 40 seconds and those types of things. So you know timeouts. Uh, mean a lot. We saw that with the Vikings last year, calling a timeout at, at 23 seconds rather than you know five or six seconds, and at the end of the game, and they end up costing them a win last year. So uh, the very very fine details of when to call timeout and how to uh, uh, manage situations at the end of football games, at the end of halves, uh, those can be difference makers. Those three points can make a huge difference, and a lot of teams, a lot of coaches screw those up.
0: Yeah, Mike Zimmer still, you know, trying to work on that situational football, trying to become a better coach. He's really put a big emphasis on that in this preseason. And I think the most important preseason game happens on Sunday, Vikings and Niners. I bet we see the starters for at least a half, uh, maybe into the third quarter, depending on how successful they are in that first half. They haven't really shown yet that they can drive the length of the field and finish it off with a touchdown. And now maybe with a home crowd at their back, they can accomplish that on Sunday. They're playing the San Francisco 49ers, and we've talked a a decent amount about them just based on their new coach, a guy that you've, I think, chatted with in the past, a new GM, really a whole new regime in San Francisco, completely turned over from that uh, Harbaugh NFC Championship winning team. What do you expect to see from San Francisco on Sunday?
1: Well, yeah, San Francisco is in a very unique situation. It wasn't long ago when Harbaugh was there, they were... One of the best teams in the NFL. I mean, th- those games that they had with Seattle uh, were just some beat 'em up football games, and, and two, you know, very good football teams, really good defenses, uh, and really overnight, you saw that San Francisco defense, you know, get old and retire, uh, and you know, Justin Smith, who was a great D lineman, they had Patrick Willis, uh, they had a whole bunch of players retire. Go to other teams, and that team just got uh, you know completely decimated. This is the reason that you know one of the reasons that they were so bad last year. uh, But this is also a reason why uh, the ownership gave Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch six-year contracts. Um, They knew this was not going to be an easy turnaround, and they wanted to assure everybody that you know these two guys are going to be there for a while, and they're going to work through their. work through their, their you would say, inexperience, you know, Lynch being a first-time GM and, and Kyle being a first-time head coach. They may, might make some mistakes over the course of the first couple of years, but, you know, down the line, years four, five, and six, they expect to have a much-improved football team. So this is definitely a work in progress, uh, a, a team with the 49ers. Uh, Kyle uh, Shanahan definitely has types of players he really likes uh, on offense and on defense. Uh, in particular at the wide receiver and quarterback position he's you know very detailed of of he wants a really fast guy he likes possession guys he likes guys that are uh, more blockers more pass receivers at the tight end position um, and that's not going to happen overnight so uh, it, it's going to take a second for for San francisco to get their their players right so but what what i what i'm much interested in watching this football game and we talk about it all the time. On this podcast is especially when you know when Adrian Peterson was the running back for the Vikings, we used to talk about, man, we need to do, we need to do more play action, more bootleg, uh, those types of things. So you've got this great running game. Well, let's you know fake it to the running game, and then uh, and, and then and then take a shot down the field. Well, they do that a lot in San Francisco. It's almost all zone running. You'll see a, a few plays where guards and tackles are pulling, but for the most part, they love the zone running and, and the bootleg play action. You know, off of that, uh, and uh, we we're talking about local flavors. Uh, you know, they drafted C.J. Beathard, who's an Iowa, who was an Iowa Hawkeye. Uh, you know, very, very loved quarterback down there in Iowa City, Midwestern kid, and uh, and he really fits this system well. You know, I, I was one of those few teams, as those, uh, those uh, who listen, you know, follow the Gophers and stuff, where uh, you know they're they're an under center traditional. I mean, really traditional, old school uh, under center, uh, you know, zone running scheme. Really, you know, pro-style offense at, at the college level. So I, I sort of knew he would fit in right away into this offense. And then I talked to Kyle this summer. I was at a football camp out in L.A., and, and Kyle was there. And they love this George Kittle. He's a, a tight end they drafted in the, I believe, the fourth round uh, from Iowa. And uh, and, and the, that that Kittle Beathard connection was a was a was good for a touchdown. Uh, you know, last week uh, on on some sort of bootleg play. So. Those are a couple of Midwestern guys that are in this Kyle Shanahan West Coast system uh, that will be playing a lot uh, uh, this weekend.
0: I was just looking at Brian Hoyer's stats, their starting quarterback, and I didn't realize he's had some pretty good numbers the past three years. So with Cleveland three years ago, and this is with Cleveland, mind you. he went. And, s- and, and do you know who the coordinator was? Pat Shermer? Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan. Oh, that's right. So Norv... Had just left. So that was Shanahan's first year there. That's right.
1: That's uh, right. Nor, Norv had Hoyer for about two or three games, I believe, at the end of the previous season. They all got fired. And then Kyle had a—and a, a, this is, again, the Hoyer was not that experienced at that time. Now he's a much more experienced quarterback. And, and he, had, he put up some really good numbers in Kyle's offense— in Cleveland, of all places.
0: Yeah. So, I, and actually, if you go back one previous year to 13, when he was with Norv, he went three and zero in three starts. Not too bad. Then the next year, seven and six, and it's hard to believe that Cleveland was actually semi competitive back just a few years ago. Seven and six, and then the year after that, he was with Houston, 19 touchdowns against seven interceptions. That's a pretty good, pretty good ratio. And then last year with the Bears, another bad team, six touchdowns, no interceptions. So he makes good decisions with the football. 2014, he had four game-winning drives. So he's got sort of that uh, killer instinct at the end. I was not aware that uh, the numbers played out so favorably for Brian Hoyer. So you think think this is a guy that you could see San Francisco rolling with for a couple of years? Or do you feel like they're still going to go after a franchise quarterback at some point?
1: Well, I, I, th- I think that they're at some point, and we'll see how this year goes for Hoyer, but at some point I think they're going to try to get Kirk Cousins. I, I mean, Kirk Cousins is, uh, they, they absolutely love him you know, as a quarterback. Another thing that's amazing about the Brian Hoyer situation is how cheap they have him. I, I believe he's only making about $3 million this year. Uh, I've always thought he's an underrated quarterback in the NFL. I mean, you look at those numbers that you just talked about. Uh, pretty good numbers on teams that weren't necessarily very good. Um, you know, he backed up, backed up uh, Tom Brady for a number of years uh, in New England. He knows how to win football games. He knows what winning football is all about. And uh, he's always put up pretty good numbers. And yet, you know, he's making $3 million a year. And you got guys uh, guys like Brock Osweiler making 18 and now Mike Lennon making 15 and, and, and a lot of other players making a lot more. Who are, who are not the type of player that Brian Hoyer is. So, uh, you know, he's not an elite quarterback by any means, but I think he's a pretty dang good quarterback, and he's going to be the starting quarterback uh, for this 49ers team this year.
0: So what about the Minnesota Vikings, the the local squad? They're going into this game 1-1 one one in the preseason. I think they've got a lot to prove, really, on both sides of the ball. They've They've shown a little bit of susceptibility defensively and offensively. They haven't done much, as I mentioned. So what do you looking to see, uh, is there one specific player that you'd like to see kind of break out on Sunday?
1: I want to see some touchdowns. I want to see this team uh, put up some touchdowns. I've watched a a couple games. I was watching the game last night, and I I think the score is like 38 to 31. I I don't really care about what the Vikings defense is going to do. We sort of know what they're probably going to be this year. We couldn't imagine the uh you know that the the bottom dropping out of the defense they're, they're fairly consistent i want to see this offense start doing some things start moving the football start scoring touchdowns start making plays down the field uh, i want to see them protecting the quarterback and i, I want to see people run i, I want to see holes open up uh in the running game uh, and that that's what i want to see I, i'm tired of field goals tired of three possessions and they got a field goal and or two possessions and they got one first down I, i'd like to see this offense put up some some you know be, be a legitimate threat that teams go man that Vikings offense is hard to defend they've got a lot of good players on it and they can run the ball they can throw the ball that's what I'd like to see
0: yeah I think chiefly I'd like to see just balance I, I'd like to see a team that shows the ability to establish the run with Dalvin Cook and then I want him to start Laquan Trudwell and hopefully get him involved he's going to make his first preseason appearance of the year. I want to see Laquan Treadwell play with the ones, not the twos. I want to see him with the ones and show the ability to create separation because that was consistently his problem last year. He never really got many chances to play last year. Let's be honest. And and in the preseason last year, he was often with the twos. Let's put him in the starting lineup and let's see what Laquan Treadwell can do for three quarters against pretty good caliber defensive backs and just see if he can get loose in the middle of the field because – he has so much to prove, and he was so disappointing last year. This is a big moment for him, honestly. If he wants to be an impact player this season, he's got to take advantage of this opportunity.
1: Yeah, everyone gives a rookie a little bit of a, a honeymoon or excuse to not have a great rookie year. For Every, every player is different when they enter the NFL. Some uh, handle it really well, and sometimes uh, some players struggle with it. And uh, Obviously, he struggled his rookie year, but you know, by year two, if you're a first-round draft pick, second-round draft pick, uh, you better start making an impact uh, because once you start getting halfway through year two and you haven't really done much at that point, uh, the, the 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 word bust starts coming to a lot of people's minds. So he needs to start making an impact on this football team. He needs to start helping this football team uh, because he's a first-round draft pick. He, he's making a lot of money. Uh, for, for an unproven player, he needs to go out there and prove something.
0: Is there kind of a time limit on... Rookies. I mean, depending on, I suppose, when they're drafted matters a lot. But how long do you give a guy if he's a first-round pick? Does he get two years? Does he get three years to prove himself? At what point do you have to cut bait?
1: Well, I think, especially with the way first-round picks aren't making as much money as they used to, uh, you don't have to wait as long. Um, I, I think, but also in that, in that same instance, you're, you know, you, if, if a kid is the, the fourth receiver, or the fifth receiver. Um, there, there's no harm in having on the football team, even though he might be a, a three million dollar fourth receiver. He might be a little bit overpaid, but uh, it's nice to keep guys you know that 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 know the system, have been there for a couple of years, in the program. But uh, you know he needs to he needs to start making things happen now, or else you know, I can be Rick Spielman or uh, whoever the other decision makers are. You know, quickly moving on. I, I think it's much easier to move on from a first round draft pick early now. Uh, than than how it was, you know, five, six, seven years ago.
0: All right, let's make a prediction on this thing. We're we're both zero and one. We took Vikings last week and we were wrong. I think I'm going to take Vikings again because they're at home. I think they're better than San Francisco, and uh, I think they win this game twenty four to nineteen.
1: Yeah, predictions for preseason games those are always tough. But uh, yeah, I, I hope I, I hope the Vikings score 24 points. That would be nice. Um, it'd be nice to get a win at home, get ready for the regular season. So I like that score. I, I like uh, I'm gonna go with 28 to 24. I'm gonna go with a, a more high-scoring game. Okay, I, I'm hopeful for that.
0: Yeah, that'd be fun to watch for the fans for sure. The first two have been, I think, about 30 points on average. So uh, maybe get a few more points on the board. Uh, that's all for the week on Locked On Vikings. Vikings Niners play 7 o'clock, I believe, on NBC on Sunday Night Football with Al Michaels and the whole crew there. So it should be a good time and I assume a sellout crowd, who many of whom will probably leave by the third quarter, but that's okay. It's Locked On Vikings and the Locked On Podcast Network. Sage and Sam back with you next week. Have a good weekend, everybody. list.